It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to another edition of the programme with John Paul taking your calls at 1850 You can text and WhatsApp to 0862 103 That slow tr- uh, truck protest, the slow drive protest by the hauliers on the N73 that we spoke about earlier in the week with Councillor Frank at Roach and this is to do with the condition of that road. It is in the first slow truck protest uh, we've had. And God knows with the the news coming from the TII that funding's not going to be available as was hoped was going to be available for work to be beginning around now. Um, I have a funny feeling it mightn't be the last one. Anyway, it's underway. It started at nine o'clock and I'm told, getting reports in that the road is at a standstill at uh, the moment. So uh, avoid, I think, because um, if you don't, you're going to get uh, delayed there. That's on the Mallow to Mitchellstown Road, the slow truck uh, protest. Now, we're going to be speaking Speaking with revenue later on on the programme this morning and this is to do with the local property tax because you may have noticed a brown envelope coming through the door from the revenue commissioners and what is it about a letter from revenue when you see the brown envelope and you realise it's from revenue has a tendency to kind of put the fear of God in you you're half afraid to even open it and I know even earlier during the summertime I think it was remember revenue were and they were brilliant in fairness at, in helping out to post out the COVID certificates for people who didn't give an email address and of course we know not everybody has an email address to give so it was the re- it was revenue were the ones who took over the handling of physically posting out the COVID certificates to people and it was hugely efficient and all of that. And I remember Pearl Marsha ended up getting, I came home one day from work and here was a brown envelope from Revenue with Marsha's name on it. I said, oh my God, Revenue were going after her, going after her for nothing. I was thinking, what are they, what Revenue looking for Marsha for? Completely forgot that they were sending out the COVID certificates and lo and behold, that's all it was. But anyway, at the moment, brown envelopes are arriving through the door and it is with regard to your local property tax 
works and it is to tell you that you now need to re do a revaluation on your home. We've invited somebody from Revenue to join us on the programme today. If you have any questions with regard to how you revalue your home, the physical process of doing it, how you go about uh, uh, doing it. And I'm reading in the papers today that homeowners are being warned that the revenue officials are likely to challenge you if you attempt to undervalue your homes for the property uh, tax. 1.4 million letters have started to arrive in homes from revenue telling people that they are required. It's a self-assessment, so you have to self-assess the value of your homes on what you expect your house to be valued on the 1st of November next. Homos, you then submit the details and you have until the 7th of uh, November and of course there is a variety of payment options. You can either pay it at that stage in a lump sum or you can, there's, there's other alternative payments which we'll talk with later on in the programme about as well. But there's one lady who's been quoted. She is a professional tax leader with Chartered Accounters Ireland. She's an a lady by the name of Nora um, Collander and she actually co-authored a book back in 2014 kind of at the start of the local property tax and she wrote a book called Surviving Local Property Tax so she's a, a chartered accountant who knows a thing or two about the property tax. She's saying today that anyone tempted to undervalue their home of course, the plan then would be that you'd save on the property tax you pay. She says you're making a huge mistake. Now, local property tax, we first paid it. It was first introduced back in 2013. And there actually hasn't been a revaluation since then. So whatever your house was valued at in 2013, that's what we've been paying at for every year uh, since. And previously, any house that was valued under a million euro, which, let's be honest, for the majority of us living in a standard family home, there's very few people living in a house worth more than a million. Now, I know that you could say there's parts of Dublin where houses, family homes are valued at a million for sure but certainly for the rest of us around the country there's none of us living in one million euro homes but what was happening was that previously any house valued at less than a million revenue generally just accepted the valuation that people submitted in 2013 and they accepted at face value but there has been an updated local property tax registration which was passed by our TDs and ministers. It came into law this summer and under that, Revenue now have the power to look at all property valuations, including those under €1 million. Euro. The local property tax is a self-assessment uh, tax and Revenue can use their own auditing resources to look at the valuations submitted. So, and obviously they'll be checking to see is it different to previously. Obviously they're going to be able to check if you're living in a housing estate and everybody's house, say, in the estate is valued at, say for argument's sake, 250,000 and suddenly you decide oh my house is only valued at 100,000 alarm bells will start to ring for revenue and you definitely are going to stick out a little bit like a sore thumb so what this tax expert is saying is that people need to be able to stand over their valuation because they could be subject to a challenge by uh, revenue and then what they've done is revenue have put up this 
valuation tool. They've put it up online and that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today with our expert from uh, Revenue and how they've come up with the valuations on this valuation tool is they've looked at recent sales in areas and they've got an idea of roughly how much a house is worth in a specific area and that's what they're putting the value on uh, the house. Now, if you're living in a one-off home, this Nora um, Collender of the Chartered Accountants, she's actually suggesting that you may need to get your house professionally valued. Now, does that come with a cost? It probably uh, does. And revenue are warning that if you've got a fancy shed, if you put in a home office, if you built on a garage, if you have a greenhouse, if you have a sun uh, room, if you've more than one acre of land, like a huge big garden, now obviously that doesn't include if it's uh, a farm, all of that needs to be included in the valuation of your property. So it isn't just the bricks and mortar of the house. If you have a very fancy garden and maybe you have a swimming pool in the back garden or a tennis court, for example, that all is going to up the value of the house. So you need to look at all of those things. Property tax on around 1.9 million properties was paid. That was earlier this year. But next year, that number is going to go uh, up. It should, it'll probably go over the two million mark because they reckon there's about an extra hundred thousand houses that now suddenly fall subject to the local property tax. They are the people who had new bills when the property tax was first introduced. People who had a new bill because they were had already paid out so much they were given an exemption from the local property tax but I really was very disappointed to read that the people who had pyrite damage to their house now I don't know if we've anybody I don't think this affects people here in Cork it certainly affects people in parts of um, uh, Leinster and other parts of the country they were they didn't have to pay property uh, tax now from the 1st of November they are no longer exempt from the tax with everything that's going on with the pyrite story at the moment. It does, well, I suppose it's more the mica stories going on at the moment, but certainly the pyrite people are going to be very upset to hear they suddenly are going to have to pay the local uh, property tax. Revenue are warning people, if you don't submit, because you are going to have people saying, I'm going to ignore that letter from property and I'm from revenue, I'm not going to do anything. Well, if you don't submit, what happens then is the local property tax uh, return they will use the valuation tool and they'll estimate your local property uh, charge. So you, even if you don't do your self-assessment, uh, you will still have a charge associated with the uh, property. So if you've got any question, if you've already got had your letter in through the post from Revenue and you have a question for our Revenue expert, get it into us, please. It's going to be in the second hour of the programme. We're going to be looking at it in more uh, detail. Hi, Patricia. I'm listening to you talk about the local property tax and the fact that everybody now has to do a re-evaluation of their property and in particular revenue warning that things like additional sheds and home offices and garages and greenhouses and garden rooms that they all have to be included in the valuation. What this listener says, I'm skitting thinking of all the she-beans that were built over COVID. Lots of people built a bar in their back garden. I wonder, does that bring the value of the property? Does it bring it up or down though? I'm I'm wondering... This is just seek looking at the funny side of it. Have a good day. Have a good day yourself. And somebody else says, what if you have a house with no power, but not livable in? Is that liable for property tax? Didn't that come up before, you know, when you had a house that wasn't livable 
uh, in. I, I don't think if it's not livable in, then it's. I, I can't see there being a valuation on it. I'll listen, when revenue come on, um, I will. I will ask and uh, find out for you. But basically, it's the valuation of a property. If you were to put it on the market today, would you be able to sell it? I don't know now about a, a property that's not actually livable in because you're actually selling the site then, really, aren't you? More than the property. Listen, we'll see. It's a good question, and I'll put it to our revenue expert when they come in when they're on with us. Uh, later on on the programme. And then on the budget, somebody says, Patricia, will the minimum wage be increased in the, in the budget? What about the monthly child benefit payment? Is there any talks that that's going to be increased? I have heard it mooted that the minimum wage is to go up. It was a couple of weeks ago, it was one of the ideas that was floated that it certainly was to go up. And I was also reading a piece yesterday on the living wage, the living wage and the minimum wage. There's a long, there's a big difference between what is deemed a living wage. And that's why we have what's often referred to as the working poor, people who are out working on a minimum wage. There was a really good study done this week showing that in order, if you're just surviving on a minimum wage, this is one person on their own in a minimum wage job they actually don't have enough money to survive in order to survive for a living wage they would would have needed I think it's about two euro an hour extra added to the minimum wage I think it was uh, what it was but that's a living wage that is a, a completely different uh, topic but listen we'll know more it's now less than two weeks ago it, two weeks away it's Tuesday week is when the budget uh, is going to be mentioned I did read in the papers today and there's a headline in some of the papers that some of the Fine Gael TDs are pushing for an increase in the state pension of as much as 10 euro it has been floated that the state pension would go up by 5 euro but some of the Fine Gael uh, TDs including former Minister Paul Kyo. He was seemingly speaking at the Fine, Fine Gael Parliamentary Party meeting yesterday. He's called for an increase in the pension of 10 uh, euro and it received support from another former cabinet minister, Michael Ring, who I, according to the papers said pensioners deserve the increase and added that the government didn't want them on our backs again. That seemingly was a leak that came out from the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party meeting. But anyway, so there's a push there. I think we can take it for granted that the state pension is definitely going to go up. Will it go up by as much as €10? I don't know. I mean, to me, if I was giving an educated guess, I would say by €5. Will the child benefit go up? Only time will tell. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. As has been widely reported, a potential energy crisis is brewing, and families could see as much as €400 Euro extra on their bills this winter. So now, more than ever before, it's time to really consider switching energy providers. Derek Castle of Bunkers.ie, the man with all the knowledge and the advice uh, joins me. Good morning to Dara. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome. Are you already seeing an increase in people switching providers? Absolutely. We've never been busier, um, which in some ways is great because it means people are going to switch and save, which is really, really important this winter uh, because energy prices have just absolutely skyrocketed. And um, as I've said to you before, you know, when people get their winter bills, it's really, really going to hit home. There's been a lot of price increases announced that have probably gone a little bit under the radar, given the fact that it's been summer, 
and um, you know people are out and about we're not maybe at home quite so much but as the darker months close in and we start increasing our energy usage and um, those extra charges those you know, price hikes are really going to be felt I, I think it was your good self I saw on, on TV it's that bill after Christmas is the one that's going to catch a lot of people Absolutely. So people get billed usually a few weeks in arrears. So a lot of people maybe last week would have gotten their last, I suppose, summer bill you could have called us. Um, it's the one that comes around Christmas and particularly actually around February and March probably, which would be for the preceding um, you know, seven or eight weeks. And what we often find is that people get the February bill, the March bill, and they go, oh my God. You know, and, and then they switch, which is kind of a little bit too late because, you know, you've used up all the energy. At that stage, you're actually going into slightly, you know, brighter evenings and better weather, hopefully. Um, so our advice is always, you know, get switching before the winter, the winter months and months arrive. OK, Dan, one of our listeners says, could you ask Dara, does he have an understanding of why energy is going up so much? So there's a few reasons from an Irish context I'll just go through them very very quickly the first point is that there's just been loads of supply chain bottlenecks throughout the world and um, not just in the energy market but also in you know the construction industry the car industry and uh, that's partly due to COVID so there's a big supply and demand mismatch particularly with gas and um, so we still use a lot of gas for our electricity supplies when the price of gas goes up the price of electricity goes up and the price of gas has gone up by about two to three hundred percent in recent weeks so it's absolutely huge Second point is that there's been a lack of wind output, so there's been a lack of supply to the grid, uh, so that hasn't helped, which means we then need to rely on gas and coal instead, but as I said, they've been shooting up in price. And then the third reason is that two gas-fired electricity plants have been out of action. They usually supply around 15% of our electricity, so that also means that there's been less um, you know, electricity being generated into our grid. So you have kind of you know, a lack of supply going into the grid and then um, energy prices shooting up at the same time whilst demand beginning to increase as the economy reopens. So it's kind of like everything that could go wrong. It's a perfect kind of storm. Wrong, you know, a perfect storm. Yeah, it was a perfect storm. The, the wind one, I think, is is really interesting. I know people have kind of a wry smile when they were uh, hearing some of our politicians saying, well, unfortunately, it wasn't very windy uh, this year. Uh, but it does push for more offshore wind farms, the need for more offshore wind farms, because we know it is windier offshore. Absolutely. Um, and I think it actually mean, shows you know, that we need to diversify our renewable energy sources. And it can't really just be about wind because you're, you're spot on. You know, there's usually always a breeze out by sea. Even on the nicest of days, there's usually a bit of a breeze. So I think we need more offshore or basically sea-based uh, wind farms. Because all of the, pretty much all of the ones that we have at the moment are land-based or onshore. We also need to invest in more uh, solar and I know people might say, are you mad? Solar is <laughs> Ireland. But actually, given the new technology, it yeah. does not need to be particularly sunny, particularly between April and September for solar to work. And then also looking at things like biofuels, um, and, you know, renewable gas and things like that. We've put all our eggs in one basket, wind and onshore wind, and that needs to be diversified. OK, back to switching and getting people to uh, switch. Are there good savings to be made by switching? There, there still is. I mean, there's 14 suppliers in the market at the moment, which is a lot. And a question we always get, get is, you know, what's the point in switching if everyone is increasing price? But to, to get business, all the suppliers offer big discounts for one year. Um, so in the same way, if you wanted to switch, you know, broadband, Patricia, you might get a great deal for one year, but then after 
a year, you know, that the price hikes up. So if you switch today, you can get a discount of about maybe anywhere from 30 to 40% uh, on your electricity, uh, which is really, really big, and it'll save you money. It'll save you maybe around €500, Euro, which will be badly needed. Um, now, even by switching, people probably aren't going to have lower bills compared to last year because prices have just gone up so much, but it just depends. But by switching, you will still save money than you otherwise even if you save the increase um, yeah I mean like some of the price increases that have come through are going to add seven to 800 euro onto energy bills in shopping Whoa. yeah uh, now some of the bigger suppliers I, I suppose they've been able to hedge their bets a little bit more so Electric Ireland has increased prices by around 160 euro now personally I'd be flabbergasted if they didn't announce a price hike shortly, but they do have to be commended for holding out for so long. Borgosh is around five hundred euro. It's added SSC electricity. It's around three hundred. Uh, but some of the other suppliers like Energia, Flowgas, you're looking at a hill of around seven to eight hundred euro. Like it's really going to hit people hard. Yeah. One of our listeners says, hi Patricia, I'm with Board Gosh and my uh, my bill was €145 Euro a month. It then went up to 185 and now it's gone to over €200 Euro a month. That's for a four bedroom home with an oil bo- boiler for heating, but, but only the immersion to heat the water during the summer months. I'm wondering, is this an excessive amount? Uh, could you ask uh, Dara? Uh, I'm also interested about what other listeners paying on a standard four bedroom house. Now it depends on how long he that person is with Board gosh isn't it it's it's worth shopping around yeah i mean quite often when people are a little bit concerned about their their bills when you delve into it you find that they haven't switched in years and they're on the, the standard rates or basically the, the top tier rates so i you know for, for that customer or for, for that listener I, I would say you know look at switching or just look at your bill and see what you're paying and ask if there's a better discount and um, you know sometimes you can haggle with your existing supplier if you don't want to switch and um, you know, and then obviously, you know, usually the best deals are reserved for people who are switching. Uh, it doesn't seem overly high, uh, but like I said, you know, Board Gosh has announced big price increases as well. So that's probably what that listener is beginning to see, unfortunately. And all, have all of the energy, all, all uh, 14 of the energy suppliers, has everybody gone up? Everybody's gone up. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're all getting their energy, you know, from the same place, really, at the end of the day. So no one is immune to this. And, um, you know, when when you get your bill, like in fairness to the energy suppliers, if you look at where that money goes, a lot of it goes on the fuel costs, which the supplier doesn't get. So around fifty to yeah, about fifty percent is fuel costs. Thirty percent of your bill um, goes to air grade and the operators of the gas and electricity network, also Gas Network Ireland. Twenty percent goes in tax. Less than ten percent actually goes to the supplier. Um, so it's not a huge amount. So what I'm saying though is that when the price of gas goes up by so much they almost they've almost no choice but to pass on the the, the price increases particularly when it's going up by over 200 300% yeah uh, Mandy wants to say thank you to Dara she reckons it was this time last year she was similar listening to us do a similar uh, interview uh, and she persuaded her parents who had been with the same provider when they first moved into their their home over 30 years ago she persuaded them to uh, switch and save and they saved money and it was all down to listening to Dara on the radio last great year beer. so well done uh, Dara Charlie and Whelan says the government are pushing us to all go towards electric uh, cars surely with pr- 
the electricity going up, it's going to be more expensive to charge your car, your cars. And also, what about this threat of power out- outages? What does Dara think about power outages? Um, well, well, there's two questions. The first one around electric cars is, I mean, there's so much tax on petrol and diesel that it will still be cheaper to have an electric car. Although, mind you, they obviously cost so much to buy in the first place that you probably need to do the sums. But there are concerns that we're trying to push electrification of our public transport system, of our heating systems by moving from gas to heat pumps, um, or of cars, you know, by moving from you know, petrol and diesel cars to electric cars. So th- this is one of the reasons why there are these threats of blackouts. We're pushing so much demand on the electricity network that I don't think we've maybe fully thought it through. And then, of course, there's the issue around data centres. But there's going to be big upward pressure on electricity prices over the coming years. It's not going to, I would say, electricity isn't going to get much cheaper. Over the next, I'd say, five or six years, we already have about the third or the fourth most expensive electricity in the EU. And um, so, so, yes, so that is something that people, that the households are going to have to deal with. In terms, just quickly, of blackouts, I personally don't think we'll see blackouts. Um, Airgrid released a report yesterday. They regularly report to government around the network because they manage the grid. It is their job to be very, very conservative. It is their job to highlight shortcomings uh, because you can't just increase investment in the national grid overnight. So they are warning that if we keep on this you know, current trajectory, if we keep on connecting data centres, that maybe within three to five years, we could be looking at some very, very tight winters. So, you know, they're entitled and they're right to give the worst case scenario, which is what I kind of think that they've done. So personally, I think we'll be okay. That's not to say, you know, it's always a good idea to have a few candles and a few, you know, <laughs> torches uh, around the house anyway. And batteries um, for the radio. Absolutely. <laughs> but another thing as well is, as I mentioned earlier on, those two big gas-fired power stations are really, the, at, at the moment, for this winter, the biggest concern. Because like I said, they supply 15% of our electricity. One is in Dublin, one is in Cork. They're due to come back on stream within the next three to six weeks. Yeah. If and when they come back on, that'll make things this winter a lot easier. It'll still be tight, but it'll definitely reduce the threat of uh, blackouts. But certainly longer term, just questions that need to be asked. Yeah, and talking of longer term, Tom and Bantry said, listening with interest to, to Dara, talking about all the different forms of energy, but what about hydro power? Uh, does Dara have any views on hydro? There's quite a few locations in West Cork where hydro power could be produced. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely another solution. Uh, Iceland has gone big on hydropower and they almost get 100% of their electricity. I think it may even be 100% of the elect- their electricity is completely renewable. So, you know, it can work, but they've been doing this for over 100 years. Um, it, it's not something for, for, for various reasons that the government seems to have gone after. Like I said, we've concentrated more on uh, wind and then solar. So it's not in the government's plans at the moment for various reasons, but it is obviously, uh, you know, a, another option. Okay, and uh, someone else wants to know, is it possible to switch energy provider every year? I switched following listening to a chat with Dara on the radio last year. Can I switch again this year? Yeah, absolutely. And um, you can always go back from one to the other. I think sometimes, particularly Irish customers, Irish consumers, we kind of often have an, an affinity, you know, with certain brands. But like, you know, if you've been with Electric Ireland for, you know, three or four years or for, for your whole life, you can switch to Borgosh for one year. And then after that, you can switch back to yeah, Electric yeah, Ireland, yeah. you know. So, um, you know, absolutely every year uh, people can do it. You can just go from one to the other. And your good selves make the job very, very easy indeed. Bonkers.ie. Listen, Dara, pleasure as always. Thank you for that.
Thanks, Patricia. And uh, thanks uh, for talking to us. And every time Dara Cassidy from Bonkers.ie comes on, we inevitably will get people saying that they saved money and we like to try to help people save money. Some of your calls, Charlie and Whedon, uh, was on about the electric car. Sorry, I didn't get fully to your te- to your comment, uh, Charlie, because there was other comments coming in at the same time. But he says, Charlie, Charlie says, the government are pushing us all into electric cars. Isn't that going to make the situation easier for the grid Pushing us to electric car isn't going to make it, sorry, isn't going to make it easier for the grid. They stopped producing electricity in the Midlands and now we are in this uh, situation. Ashley Amalo says they absolutely need to invest more money in offshore wind uh, farms. We can all start switching energy providers, but if the energy supplier is low, what good is switching if switching to us if all companies increase their prices. Yeah, well, I, I put that point to Dara. While every company is increasing their prices by switching, they give you incentives. Every company will give you an incentive to switch so you can get between 30 and 40% reduction. So even if the price has gone up, you can save on what you would have been on the increase. So it certainly does pay. You will save money uh, by um, switching energy providers for sure. And Pat Infomoy says, I don't know if anyone has learned any lessons. It appears to Pat that it's a race to the bottom. Look at what is happening in Britain. The people who changed to the lowest price providers, many of those providers have gone out of business and now millions in the UK have had to move to other providers and it's ended up costing them more in the long run. Pat is fearful that it's a race to the bottom. Yeah, I was taking Taken aback when Dara said we have 14 electricity suppliers now in the country. Do you remember the good old days when we only had the one? The good old ESP was all we had. But there's now 14 energy suppliers. But of course, by having 14 energy suppliers, they are all fighting for your custom and that's where the, the saving is to be made at the at the bottom at the moment but Pat's fear is is this a race to the bottom 1850 John Paul is taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie as we announced yesterday during the program a boil water notice was put in place with immediate effect for all customers on the Donnerail Regional Public Water Supply to get the very latest on this story. I'm joined by local councillor Frank O'Flynn. Good morning to you, Frank. Uh, good morning, Patricia. Good morning, Mr. You're, 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 you're very welcome. Firstly, do we know what went wrong to prompt the boil water notice? Uh, indeed, we do. And uh, during the night, that was during um, uh, Tuesday night, the chlorination system and the water supply, the supplies, the 2,400 customers in Donrail went down. But we were looking in one way, it was, um, noticed, it was noticed straight away and it was rectified in actual fact, uh, listeners and Patricia, by half eight yesterday morning, which was very, very good news. And they were and very we, quick to get the message out to people. Very, very quick. And then when they come from Irish water, because uh, often they get a lot of criticism, they got the message out straight away and their swift action out to the public, out to the local schools and out to the pressures and all the facilities in the area. There's 2,400 customers that supply is actually serving in the Donrail catchment area. Yeah, because we've seen, unfortunately, we saw in other parts of the country where they didn't get the message out quick enough, uh, Wexford in particular. I mean, people ended up feeling very sick. Well, we're very, very lucky that we're between the staff in Irish Water and also in Cork County Council. They're always in the ball. Early morning, late at night, they give a 24-hour service, even Christmas Day. And any time, Patricia and listeners, that I have an occasion to ring them, they're there and they'll always come back to you with up-to-date information. 
and I'm delighted that they worked so quickly. They had it back up and running by half eight yesterday morning. The boiled water notice is still in place at this stage, and uh, and that's in order to protect public health going forward. I expect maybe some further news this evening on it. All the testing that they're doing at the moment and monitoring are coming up clear by 100%, so they're very happy with the system that's up and running now. So in order to protect the health and to ensure it, uh, but they'll probably leave it off for another, another, maybe another day or another couple of hours. But to reassure all the customers in Donwell that the water is being treated at the moment is going through the system. But they are, uh, okay, and a, a number of listeners, uh, when we announced it uh, yesterday, when Irish Water contacted us and asked us to get the message out uh, to people, a number of people were saying, once the water is boiled, are they sure then that it is safe for use? Yes, quite true. It is very it's safe for use then. It is safe, okay. So you reckon another? it will be another few days? Yeah, we may have some maybe news this evening or early tomorrow morning. Okay, but for now, and it's 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 a it's a big enough catchment area, isn't it? It's not it's just quite a large it's area, not just the, the 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 village of Donnerell. Well, you see, it's about two thousand four hundred uh, customers there. It takes in the schools, it takes in parts of Shamble Moor, it takes in parts from from down town, Town Road. So it's quite a, a, a large catchment area, and then in order to to make sure that we have vulnerable people there. You have schools there and you have pressures and you have some businesses there. You have restaurants there. So in order to guarantee the safety and protect uh, um, public health, uh, and the right thing to do was to put in place the boil water notice. But the important thing here was quickly they got it out yesterday morning. Yeah. But other years it took years. And also they are monitoring it and how quickly they rectified it. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Yeah, well done. Yesterday morning. So it's a good news story. It's something that shouldn't happen. There was like Murphy's Law and he, someone said, and with a mortar, can give trouble. You know, now they're, they're doing investigation how an actual fact did go down. But the good news is that the, the alarm system they had in place was picked up immediately and it was justified by half eight the morning. So the boil water notice remains in place. Somebody said, could you ask Frank, is it still safe to turn on your washing machine and your dishwasher? It's quite safe. Yeah. On your, quite safe. And whenever there's a boil water notice, it's okay to shower and bath and all of that. It's it's all okay for that. It's just for human consumption. You need to uh, boil the water. And just while we have while we have you on the line, keep us updated if anything else breaks on that, uh, Frank. Please. And just while we while we have you on, and I was only talking about this at the top of the program, the hauliers and the truck drivers once again protesting this morning on the Mallow to Mitchellstown uh, Road. And this is all down to the delays on the upgrade on this road that we only spoke to you about uh, last week. It really is frustrating for hauliers, though, isn't it? I mean, it's costing them money in repairs to their vehicles, Frank. Oh, it, it, this is a notorious uh, dangerous spot. Uh, it's, uh, going, this is going back over 20 or 30 years. It's going on for far too long. Next week, when John Paul rang me this morning, I'd be with him. Only I was down in Yall at 5 past 8 this morning on, 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 another, on another call. And uh, I, 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 I wouldn't be able to get back in time to be with him, but I fully support him. It was a bargain, Patricia, and listeners last Monday week at the top of the end. But I put down my motion. I mean, probably wouldn't know anything at all about it. Only I put down my, mo- my motion to ask when was it exactly staffing? When was it uh, co- the coincidence date? And how long would it take? As we were only told last July, that's just coming. The contractor was in place to staff this, this September. We were told in January this year when we got the roads budget for Park County Council that the minister had allocated one and a half million was committed for us. Now we are told that the money is pulled. Without, because the other bombshell was that the, the preferred route that's for the Limerick Cock Dublin uh, Limerick uh, Cock uh, in 20 that's also deferred that's only another day but one of the reasons Patricia which is very very surprising is this that, that unfortunately transport infrastructure they are not currently in a position to approve the same funding 
The reason for this is given the considerable commitment already in Cork to the Central Interchange and to the Ballyvony, McCroom Road and other roadworks in Cork County. It's an absolute disgrace. So we, on this section, the most important route in North Cork is, is the route from Kerry, you could say, when it goes on to Mitchtown to join, to join the uh, on to Dublin. It's the main driving force, the economic force for us, for my Mitchtown and Mella. This is going on for far too long. Lorry drivers, your buses, your local residents, and your uh, car owners and people, pedestrians. It's an absolute disgrace. It's a place that's waiting for an accident to happen. It's going on for far too long. So I got full permission on my motion uh, to the meeting that we would seek an urgent uh, deputation to meet the Minister for Transport, Minister Ryan. That was agreed by Cork County Council. Also, there was an urgent uh, email to the and of course, the men with the money, Michael McGrath, the Minister for Public Expenditure. I hope to see those replies sharply. I'm not going to take this line down. We've suffered for far too long. Money that was allocated to Cock County Council is very, very unfair how it was pulled in the North Cock area. That was the worst news that we ever got. This is going where we happened, happened again about eight or nine years ago. So that was funding that. Two years ago, 2018, just come in again at last moment, just pulled. Just pulled. We seem to be an easy target when they shot the funds in other parts of Cock County Council. They seem to neglect the N73. It's a very, very important... Yeah, it's unfair and it's, it's been going on uh, going on so long. I know yeah. I spoke with Labour Doll Deputy uh, Sean Sherlock on, on the topic as well and, and actually I saw on Tuesday night he actually raised it in the Doll. So it has been spoken about and the more focus and the more attention that we can bring on to it, maybe, maybe funding can be found for it. Because in, in, in defence of Cork County Council, everybody at Cork County Council was ready to go. I mean, literally they were just waiting on the nod from Transport Infrastructure Ireland to say, Yes, there's the money. Off you go. We got the money in, in January in the budget, and we adopted that in Cock County Council, Patricia and Listeners. Then, in, we had a senior engineer told us, at my, I know, another motion I down in July, that starting in the September, October, until finish in April next year. Wasn't that as good as news you could get? Because he was giving oh, yeah, we, I mean, we, uh, we celebrated the fact that long last, and, you know, and people yeah. were, were, were saying, OK, we've another wait, but people were willing to wait because they knew that it was coming on board. But, but, but Patricia, I think it's when you when the rug but, is pulled but, out and you're told there's no but date. Patricia, but Patricia, you know, Frank Offlin, I said it to me in July. I'll believe it when I, I see know. troubles in the ground. I, know. I, know. I said it and I was quoted. And I'll believe in the funding staff because all these farms and all things, even though we got the budget, we adopted it. One and a half million in our 2021 budget for roads in Cork County. And here we are pulled. And how come this is the one that was pulled? There was no other one pulled in the whole county on this one. Maybe we were an easy target. But I tell you one thing, we're not taking this line down. We're going to send up for the people of Shemble and the surrounding area. And the, the hauliers, the bus drivers, the care of people who are using that road the main driving force, the amount of farmers that's there, the amount of activities in that world, the main road you could say from Kerry to get over to the motorway. It's absolutely disgraceful. We're on for far too long. I think calling the Minister of Transport, we need to this deputation. As I was talking, we'd go up with other roads. This is the road we're fighting in Narcock. We'd go up and we'd fight for one road in the day, that's the N73, the water dike, the Cahill Cross. It must be done, and it must be done as soon as possible. We've waited far too long. Okay. All right. Listen, it's an issue I know we'll return to. In the meantime, uh, Frank, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is North Cork Councillor Frank O'Flynn. I can see a number of questions coming in about the local property tax. Keep those coming because somebody from Revenue will be joining us in the next hour. And I can also see people having a pop about local property tax. None of us like paying tax. The person from Revenue is just coming on to outline how the property tax works. He is not the person who invented local property uh, tax and he's not the one that can change it uh, either. But we welcome your calls and comments. 1850 333 
103. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Commentary coming in to do with the truck drivers, the hauliers that are having their slow truck protest on the Mallow to Mitchestown Road. I'll try to get an update uh, for you because I know an hour ago we were told the road was uh, at a standstill. So we'll see if we can get an update on that for people who may need to use that road. But of course, they're doing, they're highlighting it for everybody's sake, not just for the road hauliers, but for anyone who uses the Mallow to Mitchestown Road on a regular basis. Michael in Newcastle West says, Eamon Ryan and the Green Party has said while they were government they want to develop more light rail projects and they want to encourage more people to cycle but that cannot be achieved everywhere in the country. Uh, Michael feels because of that enough enough money is not being spent on new roads because too much of the focus is going on light rail projects and in building more green ways and therefore we don't have the money to do up our roads. John is in Butterfield. He says the road from Butterfield to Donnerhead, he describes it as absolutely lethal. It's not suitable for lorries. He said, I came across two lorries who were stopped trying to pass each other. He said, I came around the corner. I nearly went into the back of a car who had also stopped to allow these two trucks to drive by each other. What that, why wasn't that road looked at? Why are the roads safety authority allowing this to happen uh, surely if they're called road safety authority they need to be looking at the conditions of our roads and I know somebody else was on I'm sure it was a West Cork um listener was on uh, saying hi Patricia it's not only this is Heidi it's not only the hauliers that trucks are getting damaged it's the motorist who ends up paying for repairs continuously on top of everything else we have to pay for just to keep our car on the road. Good on those truck drivers in North Cork. We need to protest more as say the French. They don't stand for things like that. They'll bring everything to a standstill. They don't or won't agree uh, with power to the uh, truckers. More power to the truckers, says uh, Heidi. Uh, Thank you for that, Heidi. On the property tax, there's so many comments and texts and questions coming in and I'll do my best to get all of the questions to the person from Revenue who's going to be joining us this hour. But then lots of people are just commenting on the local property tax itself. Nobody likes to pay taxes but people in particular don't like paying this local property tax. Michael says, Patricia, a good genuine guide to your property tax valuation is what every property is selling for in your area. That's how much, that's how you'll work out how much your house is worth. Revenue, know exactly how much each house is sold for. So you'll only be fooling yourself. You'll be fooling no one else but yourself by trying to undervalue your house. By underestimating it, it could cost you again in the long run because of revenue catch up with you, you could end up having to pay penalties and all the extra costs associated with that. Your best bet is to be honest and say exactly how much your house is valued at. And Mary says, Patricia, thank you so much for highlighting the local property tax issue on your programme today. I received that brown envelope that you were speaking about in the post yesterday and I just put it aside unopened because I decided don't need to pay that until January so I won't open it until then. I wouldn't have realised that I have to re 
revalue my property. Lesson learned. Open all of your mail once it arrives, says Mary. Yeah, and particularly anything in a brown envelope from revenue, Mary, uh, for sure. But yeah, that's true. People would say, oh, that's a bill. Put that aside. I mean, recently I, I did one similar myself recently, Mary, my TV licence arrived in and I have to pay my TV licence by I think it's the end of September mine is due but the letter comes out about a month in advance so it is something you put to one side saying oh, I need to pay that during the month and you might not open it if you're having a busy day or whatever so it is yeah, it's a good lesson to learn to open up all of your letters when they arrive in and then this is sort of this is Anne and this kind of sums up what some people struggling to make ends meet at the moment Anne says Patricia I'm a pensioner I've no other income coming into my house. My my home is over 50 years old. It's in need of maintenance, painting etc. Can't afford to get anybody in uh, to do the work. And by the way, I'm not selling my house. So I can't understand why I have to pay a tax for the value of what my house would actually sell for. People like me who are living on Visa cards just to make ends meet. I'm using that just to pay the monthly bills. I don't know how we're going to survive even if we were to get a part-time job but who's going to give us one uh, as they only are taking on young uh, people. Uh, and as far as I know, you can, if you financially can't afford the local property tax, as far as I know, you can defer the payment. So now you're you're kicking the can down the street. But I mean, that's important. If you need to put food on the table, it's better to kick the can down, down the street. And you can also kick the can down the street and, and wait for when you're when you're gone and whoever it is you're leaving the house to can take on and they'll end up uh, paying for it uh, at some stage in the future because the government will get the money uh, regardless but as far as I know you can defer the payment so we'll put that aside as a question to put to revenue when they join us but certainly I know I think you see the last time that we really put a lot of focus and attention on the local property tax was when it first came in in 2013 so I'm trying to think back to 2013 and I'm sure there was a deferral so we certainly will ask about that and I can see questions coming in about the valuation we'll keep all those questions for our uh, expert, And then there's a number of questions coming in about derelict uh, properties. Now, I do remember on derelict properties talking about this, a derelict property that is uninhabitable, uh, that fall that falls outside local property tax and because of that you don't get a a local property tax ID number. So I'm surprised to hear people saying that they have like for example somebody says I own a derelict property I have done since 2011 and I pay property tax on it. I can't understand how you've been paying property tax on it if it is a derelict property there's no electricity no running water in the house uh, do I have to pay property tax as uh, no one has lived in the house for years. I would be suggesting you're, you're one of the ones that's certainly going to have to get on to revenue to sort out. I'm just querying why you've been paying paying it because definitely back when property tax first came in a derelict uninhabitable property falls outside the charge of the local property tax so certainly that is something you're going to have to uh, look into and then a number of people are going on about the different bands um, you know property tax in Mallow for example is in the second band at rate and the charge is 241 euro is there an extra council tax to be added on to that you see they set the property tax the government set the property tax and then what they did was they allowed the local authorities all over the country for us here in Cork we're dealing with two we've got Cork City Council and we've got Cork County Council. What they say to the local councillors is they can decide whether to increase or decrease the set rate of property tax. You can go up by 15% 
or you could go down by 15%. So there's a bit of wriggle room for the actual councillors to decide. Cork County Council, for example, they ha- have a variation. They added 7.5% and that's for the second year running. They set it at the same rate last year. And because the bans are changing, it means the majority of houses under the remit of Cork County Council will fall into the second band. And the second band, I put up the bands there a couple of minutes ago. Where are they gone? Uh, they are here somewhere. Most properties are going to fall into the second band, which is a house valued at between 200,000 and 262,500 euro. And that comes in at 241 euro this year for Cork County Council. The set rate would have been 225, but they've gone up by 7.5%. And then if you are are living in the city, the Cork City Councillors, they voted to increase people's property tax by 9%. So theirs will be slightly higher. But the majority of homeowners will fall into that second band. And the band is quite wide when you look when you look at those uh, figures, I mean, you know, the first band is from your house is valued at zero up to 200,000. That's the very first one. And then the second band, and a lot of people will fall into that, people whose houses are under 200,000. And then the second band is 200 to 262,000. And then the, the next band is a much wider one. It's nearly 100,000 in the difference. It's 262,000 to 350,000 and on, on, and on it goes. Uh, so yeah most people but that's the reason that you're paying the 241 which I'm open to correction I think was the same was it last year as well and uh, Jackie says I live in a very old house it's 200 years old no central heating no insulation and would need to be completely gutted to bring it up to modern standards will that be taken into account when valuing uh, the tax I do have a big uh, garden well when if you go online you should be able to see what houses in your area are selling for Uh, Jackie and remember it's up to individuals to decide somebody else for example was on to John Paul and was making the point it was one of the earlier texts uh, in was making the point that they live in an area that's right beside a halting site Uh, and John feels that because of that the property his property value has has devalued the cost of his house has a devalued is that taken into account you see it's a self-assessment tax so what you have to be able to do is if revenue decides that they want to question the value you've put on your house because your house is valued much differently to everybody else's house in your area once you can defend the valuation that you are submitting you need to be able to stand over it so yes yeah, so if you can stand over it with Jackie saying it's a 200 year old house there's no central heating you know it's it's not worth a lot once you can stand over your reason for valuing the house at the set amount then yes yeah, you are okay and a West Cork listener says I'd like to know what do we get for our local property tax as far as I'm concerned sweet damn all it's like the all the other stealth taxes says a West Cork listener yeah, and a lot of people not happy with the property uh, uh, tax Hi Patricia I've been paying my local property tax by direct debit from the very start and I had my house valued in the past two years will I have to do it again yeah you see you now know the valuation of your house and if you assume that the house hasn't gone up too much in the last two years and the fact that the bands are so wide you know it's hardly jumped up by 50,000 in the last uh, two years I know houses have uh, gone up but even though you know the new value of the house revenue have set 
the local property tax at what your house was valued at back in 2013 when the local property tax first came in. So for that reason, everybody, everyone has to revalue uh, their house because obviously houses have gone up since 2013. Now some mightn't, some might be the exact uh, same price, uh, same price, and you will find because they because of the way the bands are, you'll stay in the same band even if your house has gone up in value. So yes, you do have to let revenue know on their online portal as to uh, how much your house is worth now. And uh, Joe says, Hi Patricia, there should never have been a local property tax. It was Enda Kenny that brought it in. End of uh, story. OK, keep your questions coming for uh, revenue, please. 1850-333-103. We were talking about increases in electricity that we know are coming on stream. And also there is this threat that's hanging over all of our heads. For they reckon the next five winters there could be a danger that we could end up with blackouts where you'll, there'll be rolling blackouts. You'll be told on Friday night, your town, your area is going to have no electricity from eight o'clock until 10 o'clock or might, you won't have any electricity overnight. And there's talks of the government are worried that there could be uh, these rolling blackouts that will carry us through this winter. And for the same for the next five, win- five winters, we could have an issue with not having enough, uh, not generating enough power in this country for everybody that needs it. Liz says it's back to candles and oil lamps and carts and horses. I've gone full circle, but I haven't gone senile says uh, Liz and Anne says to think this is the government that are telling us all to go with electric cars and yet they're now putting us on standby that we could have power outages what would you do with your electric car if you had rolling power outages 1850 333 John Paul taking your calls you can text you can whatsap 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Bohobui Comprehensive School, they are looking for cleaning staff to work 10 hours per week up to June of 2022. Please forward a letter of application, a CV and your references to the Secretary, the Board of Management at Bohobui Comprehensive School. Closing date is 5pm on Friday the 8th of October. BRS Befriending. That's an organisation dedicated to identifying and helping people affected by isolation and loneliness in the Limerick and North Cork areas. They're looking for a volunteer coordinator based out of their Charleville office. More details are available by emailing goconnor at ballyhowers.org. Part-time sales assistant required for a furniture and carpet shop. That's in Bantry. CVs, please, and a reference to kellyandco.bantry at gmail.com and a qualified plumber is wanted for domestic and commercial work now you do need to have a full driver's licence you can phone 087 974 5447 you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. As we've mentioned already this morning, Revenue have launched a new online tool to help homeowners determine the value of their property ahead of the next valuation date for local property tax, which falls on November the 1st. Joining me with further details, Revenue's local property tax spokesperson and that is Kiron Handley. Good morning to you Kiron. Good morning Patricia. And you're, you're very welcome to the programme. Okay, are all homeowners responsible for working out the value of their own properties? 
They are. Basically, basically, if you own a residential property on the 1st of November, uh, you, you would be liable for LPT. So just, just to bring you through the steps involved, <clears throat> so local property tax or LPT is an annual charge uh, based on your own valuation of your own property. So up until now, that charge is based on the valuation from 2013. So property owners are now required to revalue their property based on the market value on the 1st of November 2021. And that new valuation will determine the amount of LPT to be paid for each year from 2022 up to 2025 inclusive. So just just to bring you through the the, the three t- key things that we need uh, residential property owners to do, and that's firstly to determine the market value of the property on the 1st of November 2021, to submit this valuation in the LPT return by the 7th of November 2021, and to pay or make arrangements to pay uh, the LPT for 2022. So the easiest way to do this and to meet their obligations is online. So property owners can access the LPT portal directly through revenue.ie or they can log on through my account on Ross uh, on the Revenue website. And the actual online tool, because I, I, I did it last week, it's it's quite easy once you have your, your air code is probably the easiest way. That's correct. Uh, we have very comprehensive uh, valuation guidelines on the, on the revenue website, revenue.ie, and this uh, interactive uh, tool or valuation map, um, as you say, um, you simply enter your air code or your property location if you, if you can't, if you don't know your air code or you can't access it, and uh, this will give you the average valuation band for, for properties in your own area. So um, this interactive tool is considers the location, the average price, ra- price range, the date of build and other factors. So it, it is, it's a, as you say, it's a very, very simple tool to use. And then the, the bands are reasonably wide enough that if perhaps you've put on a garage or maybe a sunroom that your next door neighbour doesn't have, that would increase the value of your property slightly more than next door. But because the bands are so wide, you you should still fall into the same... Band. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it is. As you as you mentioned, there, it's very important to remember that uh, even though we've given you an estimate of what what we think your the valuation band that you fall into, if you have carried out any uh, additions to your house, any enhancements, such as a if you built on an extension or you've built a a, a a garden office in the last two years, or you know. Um, you must take this into consideration when valuing your property. But you're right. I mean, the the the, the bands are. The bands have been widened since the new legislation was passed in July. So um, most of the bands are have values in the range of eighty-seven and a half thousand. So if I look at one band, um, band, sorry, band four, for example, that has values between three hundred fifty thousand and four hundred thirty-seven and a half thousand. So you can see there's a wide a wide range available. And we're not asking property owners to give us an exact valuation of their property. We need them to select the valuation band. So, so if, if for example, you think your house is valued uh, at two hundred fifty thousand euro, that will fall into band two, which is a, has a range of two hundred thousand to, to two hundred sixty thousand euro five hundred. So, there's a, is it, there's a, there's a wide mm. ra- range of bands. Okay, a number of people are asking. I mean, obviously, that online tool, as they say, is very easy. What if you don't have access to online? Well. Okay, there's a, there's a number of other sources available. I mean, there's obviously there's other online tools available, such as uh, myhome.ie, daft.ie, but there's also the, uh, the property price register, uh, which lists the values of all properties sold in Ireland since uh, 2012. 
Um, if you haven't got internet access, uh, we, we would suggest that. I mean, every, every town has, a, has an estate agent, so you can find the, the values of similar properties in your own area uh, for sale in your, in your local estate agent. Yeah, and, um, and, and, and the, what your house is valued at, that then will decide how much your property tax is going to be. That, that's correct. Yeah, you, you, you decide the valuation of your property and that determines the valuation plan that you will select and the LPT charge you will pay from 2022 to 2025. And, Kieran, it is believed that even with the new revaluation of your property, most of us will end up paying the same property tax that we paid last year. That's correct. It's, it's expected that the majority of properties will not, will not uh, result in any increase in LP, LPT charge. That's due to the widening of LPT bands and the reduction in the basic rate of LPT. Um, like the basic rate of LPT has reduced from 0.18% to 0.1%. And it's expected that the, the, S, the average LPT charge for 2022 will be €225. Euro. So many people will find that uh, e- even though the value of the property has obviously gone up since 2013, they may in fact be paying the same LPT rate that they have been paying from 2013 to 2021. Mm. So, so most people won't see an increase in LPT. What happens if you don't submit a new valuation? Well, firstly, we have a, I have to say we have a very high level of compliance. Our compliance rate is about 97%, so we're very satisfied that the vast majority of people do comply with, with their uh, LPT obligation. Um, we, if, if for some reason people don't uh, value the property and don't submit a return, we will obviously write to people requesting that you do this. And, you know, we don't have an issue with non-compliance in terms of LPT, uh, but I suppose my, my message today is to um, to take those three steps to value your property uh, as at the 1st of November 21, to submit your return by the 7th of November, and then to pay or make arrangements to pay. Okay, is there any way to defer it? We had uh, an elderly lady on uh, to say she's living hand to mouth at the moment and can't really afford it. Can you defer the payment? Uh, you can defer. Um, there are a number of deferral options, and it's obviously based on your income. So if, for example, uh, you you're a single person with a gross income of uh, 18,000 or less, or you're a couple with a gross income of 30,000 or less, you can defer, you can get a full deferral on your LPT charge. And then there's further deferral options uh, depending on, on, again, on your income. And there's also deferral options depending on mortgage interest paid. Um, but I, I, would, I would recommend that anybody who thinks they're going to have payment difficulties, they should contact us directly. Uh, through my inquiries, and, and we will we will discuss the various options available. But I suppose another thing to, to stress is that we we have a wide range of payment options available. I mean, you can either you can opt to pay in full, or you can pay uh, on a phased basis over twelve months. So people have the option of paying uh, weekly amounts through uh, deduction and source through through their wages or through a pension, or by cash through one of the payment service providers such as OnPost or PayZone. So there are, there are a wide range of options uh, available to suit uh, everybody's personal circumstances. Yeah, and somebody says if you go online and you're getting a valuation that you disagree with, can you value the property lower? You, you, it, it, yes, I mean, this, this is a self-assessment tax, so it's entirely up to you as a property owner to decide uh, the valuation of your property and what valuation plan that falls into. Uh, but I, I must stress that... Uh, that's what the onus is on every property owner to um, to keep the documentation you use or the evidence you use to value your property in the event that we look for, for, for 
backup documentation at a later stage, but it is a self-assessment tax, and we have provided an estimate of what we think the devaluation band that your property falls into. So you may decide it is valued lower, or then again, you might decide it's valued higher. So, you know, it's entirely the owner's rest with the property owner to decide evaluation. Okay, and there is a, when people are getting their, and I can see lots of people are getting their letters in the post uh, today. Actually, people are picking me up because I said it was a brown envelope. Some people are saying that they got a white uh, envelope. I thought mine was brown, maybe it was white. Anyway, my apologies. Uh, is it white envelopes you're sending them out in, Kiron? Um, <laughs> I'm sure mine was brown. Anyway, some are saying it's white. Anyway, it, it's revenue on the front of it. You, you, it's you right, know, it's a, it's a, it's a, re- it's a revenue. It's okay. a revenue envelope. So I, okay, yeah. there is uh, somebody saying, uh, "Hi, Patricia. My property tax came in this morning, and it says it's going to be three hundred and thirty-eight uh, euro. Do I still have to revalue it, even though I agree with that price?" Everybody has to submit uh, a return by the seventh of November with the valuation. Uh, of, of the property. So even if you agree with that that valuation, you, you are obliged to submit a return to revenue by the 7th of, of November. Uh, okay, Mike says we have a rented property and there are two apartments in it, one upstairs, one downstairs. Do we va- value as one property or do we value it as two separate properties? If we were selling, we would sell the whole property as one. Okay, I suppose that's, that's a very specific question and this is probably this is not possible to give a definite answer I, I would recommend that uh, Mike uh, writes into us directly through my inquiries on, on my account or, 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 or Ross and we, we can look at that for him but I suppose oh. it's, it's, it's not possible to give it you know Okay and the other uh, the other one is a derelict property a derelict property that's not livable in no running water no electricity does that fall in for local property tax? If if it's a derelict property um and it's not suitable for use as a dwelling, it wouldn't fall within the scope of LPT, no. And then uh, mobile home, James, living in a mobile home, do I have to pay local property tax? It's a no, luxury mo- It's a luxury mobile home. <laughs> no, mobile, mobile, mobile homes, again, are, are not within the scope of LPT, so that, that wouldn't be, he wouldn't be liable for that. Okay, Jen says, I know you must include things like garages or, or sheds or home offices that were built on. If it's a shared driveway with land which is off-road, do you need to declare that the driveway gives access to a farm or a private house? Okay, when you're valuing your property, you need to value the, 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 the residence plus any buildings or amenities up to one acre. So whatever that person owns uh, up to one acre should be included in the valuation. So this this could include um, a driveway, uh, I suppose their portion of the driveway, a uh, shed or a garage and so on. Um, it doesn't include, um, it, because it's only up to one acre, it wouldn't include farmland or uh, farm buildings, buildings and so on. But but, it, but it's, it's, it's the residence and all associated buildings and amenities up to one acre. Okay, somebody in a one-off house in the countryside, do I need to get an auctioneer in to value the house? Not necessarily, no. I mean, we, we, we are satisfied that the valuation tool um, should, should cover the vast majority of properties in the country. But again, I have to stress that we're, like, we're not asking people to give an exact valuation of the property. You know, they need to just be, be certain that it falls into one of the valuation bands. And the bands are so wide. I mean, the, as I said, the, the, the bandwidth is for the vast majority of the bands, it's 87,500. Mm. So we do expect that people will be able to uh, value the house without going to, and getting a professional valuation. Okay, and then the uh, the other, what was the other question that has come in? Um, 
Uh, quite a lot. Can you go through the payment options again? Uh, oh, yeah, no, this is on I pay by direct debit. Does my direct debit stand? So if, 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 if that person has been paying by direct, direct debit all along, that payment option will stand for 2022, un- yeah, unless they decide to pay by another method. Oh, yeah, and the other question, and there's a few of these in, people who haven't been paying local property tax because they were exempt uh, new bills, for example, they're now falling under the property tax for the first time. That's correct. And uh, we actually we wrote to all uh, homeowners who were exempt for the last valuation period tell, to, to advise them that they are now liable from 2022. So that this, this, this new valuation period is actually bringing in over 100,000 property owners who, who were exempt for the last valuation period, uh, such as first-time buyers or um, property owners in um, unfinished estates. But they, they, but they, they have been advised uh, a number of weeks ago that they would be now liable for, for LPT. Okay, if you are living in rented accommodation, says the listener, who pays, the tenant or the landlord? It's it's the the, the 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 owner of the property. The liable owner is 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 just the landlord. I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. And people can get further information, or as you say, if you if people want to submit a specific question, they can do it online. They can do it online through my inquiries on Ross or or, or revenue or revenue.ie. But we we have very compre- comprehensive information available on the website revenue.ie um, on on everything to do with LPT. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, Kieran, you've been a mine of information. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks, thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is uh, Revenue's local property tax spokesperson, uh, Kieran uh, Handley. Uh, see lots and lots of questions into us. Uh, hi, Patricia. I got a letter, but there's no mention of the bans or the amount due. Was it just admitted or what? The uh, delighted that you're covering the property tax uh, this morning. Now, the letters that have come out in the post are to tell people that your local property tax is due and also to inform people that for the first time since the local property tax came in in 2013 you need to revalue so what you do is you go online and it'll tell you how much what band you fall into and then depending if you're in the city under the city council or the county council you'll be able to find out then uh, how much you have to uh, uh, pay uh, John in Clonakilty says Patricia on the valuation of your house for property tax an auctioneer once said to me your house is worth what a person pays for it uh, not what you think and that yeah, that is uh, so true not though when it comes to property uh, tax Hi Patricia you say revenue know how much houses sold for uh, in people's areas but I don't know how much they sold for I will know what an asking price was but I won't know what somebody ended up paying for it what the final price agreed uh, was well I think when I said that that's how revenue came up with the with the online tool to work out in, you know, in Mallow or in Mitchellstown or in McCroom or in Bantry or Boherbree to work out in areas how much houses would be valued at. They looked at similar properties and how much they sold for and that's how they came up with well houses in that general area of that town they're not giving an exact amount that that's what that house sold for it's just the tool that they have used and as Kieran said as well the bands are so wide you'll fall into one or the other one of the other bands uh, for sure 1850 333 103 and uh, hi Patricia I thought there was something back with the second property that you had to pay tax for a second property that was before you're going back a good few years years now. That was before the local property tax came in. Remember there was the second homes property tax. They got rid of that when they brought in the local property tax. For this week's Guard the File, uh, we are going to, for more Guard the Station, I'm joined by Sergeant John Kelly. Good morning to you, John. 
Good morning, Patricia. And, Thank you for having me. And we, you're very welcome. We start with a burglary. A burglary there yesterday uh, in Fremont, the Commons Fremont. Um, now, we'd appeal to anyone who was in the area yesterday, between 5.30 yesterday morning and half seven uh, yesterday evening, there was a house broken into um, in that area of the Commons Fremont. The person returned home to find the rear door of the house damaged and some items missing. Now, we have no idea at this stage what type of a car was involved, how many people were involved. So we'd be asking if anybody was aware of uh, suspicious activity of a car, van, etc., in that area, Fremont area, yesterday, if they could give us a call at Mallow Garda Station, 022-211-05. It's possible that... Uh, they may have been in the area previously. They may have been knocking on houses uh, with, with some false query to see if there was anybody, if the house was inhabited. Did you see them? Um, does anyone have dash cam footage? Um, of, and if they have, if they could go back in it, and if they find uh, something, you know, they may already have seen something that they thought suspicious at the time. Um, or they may have taken down a number of a car. We'd be delighted to get it, find out who did that. Okay. Um, there was uh, a fraud a fraud incident? Fraud in the incident there in Mallow. And again, it's something we're mentioning regularly. Uh, and, and just in this particular case, it was a little different. Um, a man reported that he got a phone call from somebody that he believed to be a member of an Garda Shikana, stating that his identity had been taken over. The, the man was asked to send money by Google Pay cards. He went to Tesco. Uh, he purchased Google Pay cards to the value of 400 euro. Oh, but, goodness. Uh, you know, it's, there are still some people being caught. Um, and I suppose sometimes it's, it's how we reach those people. I mean, they may not be listeners to national TV, national radio, or, or our papers, you, you know, and I suppose we're trying to reach them by alternative means as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just, I'm, I always say to people, you know, if you have particularly elderly relatives, you know, who mightn't be as savvy about these things and mightn't be as up to speed, talk to them about it. Exactly, and we're going to be coming on to that in a minute. Uh, after, um, I just want to mention maybe there's cars being targeted in the Carrick Tool area as well. Um, now, we saw before Watergrass Hill, we saw Mallow has been targeted, uh, coming in at night, going through estates, and literally checking every car in the driveway to see wh- whether it was locked. Now, in the Carrick Tool incident, uh, with one report, of, of one car being done, would we believe there could have been seven or eight that particular night? So we'd ask the people, just make it a routine of theirs to go out and check that a car, uh, van, etc., you, you know, is locked up at night. If it's a van, if it's a walk van, make sure as well that it's reversed up as close to the to to the um, uh, to the house as possible. Uh, you know, in in case there's walk tools or whatever inside it. You yeah, know? they can smash uh, in the back and get the tools out. Yeah, that's 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 a good piece of advice. Okay, you want to give advice? Uh, this is on money money mules. I suppose tell us first what is a money mule. Okay, I suppose first of all, just to, uh, it's a carry on really what from Morgan O'Sullivan last week was on from Park West say about Campus Watch and again yeah. this is to, to try and reach a very hard to reach kind of demographic because they're taking their they're taking taking their news in a different way you know and that's the 18 to 25 say age group you know they're getting it you know by means of Facebook and social media so here I'm appealing you know aware of the fact that they're difficult to reach I want to talk to the parents and to the grandparents to, you know, to have a conversation with them. You know, they are going to be going to college and it's great to see college opening up in a normal way. 
if they don't already have a bank account, one of the first things, of course, they'll be doing is, is opening a bank account. And sometimes you see the major banks and all will be there, you know, and freebies given out. But there's a lot of responsibility comes, you, you know, when you have a bank account. And as you said there, first, what of all, what is a money mule? A money mule, pure and simple, is a money launderer. Um, you, you have two different types. Uh, you, you have the complicit money mules, those who are part of the criminal organization. For instance, they come into the country for the purpose of opening multiple bank accounts using false documentation. Now, they normally have no direct involvement in the fraud or the crime, but they're clearly part of the criminal organization. They launder the funds and they receive commission, if you like, for, for, for each transaction goes through. Now, they are, as I said, a part of the uh, criminal group, but the ones who are concerned about and the ones um, we're trying to save say, say from getting a criminal conviction are the non-complicit money mules. The people not involved in the fraud or crime. You know, they tend to be students or unemployed and they allow their bank account to be used for financial reward or um, you know, in a small minority cases, uh, you know, maybe due to intimidation or, or, or whatnot. But the law is very specific you know, in that uh, matter and I'll come to that in a minute, but they tend to be, I suppose, in a way, they tend to be male, unemployed or a student, sometimes residing in urban areas, again, the average age, 18 to 25. Um, but the main thing is large unexplained deposits through bank account, you know, are really typical, uh, you know, of where a person is a money mule. Now, and banks and financial institutions look out for those transactions. Banks and financial institutions and credit unions, they all have a money laundering reporting officer yeah. who are specifically looking for large transactions or suspicious transactions or even small transactions, you know, on a very regular basis going through accounts, you know, and it is their duty under the, you know, under the Criminal Justice Money Laundering and Terrorist Financing Act of 2010 to report transactions such as this, you know, and as I say, um, on, on, unfortunately, the defence, uh, you, you know, the person saying that, oh, I thought I it was didn't, okay. Yeah, I didn't realise. No, yeah, yeah. I thought it might be the proceeds of crime, but I didn't really know. And I was told it was all right. Well, uh, that's recklessness. And that's covered for under the under the legislation where a person is reckless, uh, you know, as to whether their account is used. Um, if they've given control of their account to another person, they're reckless. Yeah. as to what their account And they could end for. up with the, with the criminal record as, as a young person that will stay with them for life. So for parents and, and grandparents, talk to your young people about it. Yeah, and, and we don't want to be, uh, you know, going the way... Some people might say it's harsh, but the only way we seem to do at the moment is, you know, searching their homes, arresting them and prosecuting them. You know, because as I said, the media warnings, you know, don't seem to be... Uh, don't seem to be working. And while that may seem harsh, because they've never come to uh, guard attention before, money laundering is a very serious offence. Mm. Huge amounts of money are, are being made, and they're being then laundered, you, you know, through the system. And we just want to get across the message, do not allow your bank account to be used by anyone under any circumstances. Okay. They, may come, they may be plausible. You know, they may, they're trying to recruit by, by Snapchat and other ways inside in college. You know, the people that are you doing this, we term as money herders because they could have 20 or 30 students, uh, you know, uh, recruited for this. They're paying them all maybe 150 to 200 euros. Long after that money is gone, you know, like okay. a tattoo, that conviction is going to stay with you. Right. And it could decide 
it could decide your course in life. You might yeah, be, you can't be able, be able to travel is, is the big one. Okay. We've got to leave it yeah. there. Uh, John, listen, as always, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that and we'll chat again in the coming weeks. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks, Thanks a million. That is uh, Sergeant John Kelly based at Fomoygar, the station. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, can I just say, still inundated with calls and texts about the local property uh, tax. And for people who don't have access to online you are somehow going to have to work out the valuation of your house maybe you know the valuation of your house or as uh, Kieran from Revenue suggested you could check in with a local auctioneer to see how much your house is valued at but the easiest way is to go to the online uh, portal maybe somebody might be able to help you out but then there are other people saying well you know how do I register the, the new valuation of my house if I don't want to do it online. We got back on to uh, Revenue and they say that they have if you wish to submit your valuation you can do so via, via the local property tax helpline. They've got staff in a call centre where you can submit the details and the local property tax helpline number is it's a Dublin number 01 738 for people who don't have access to online to submit the new valuation but does everybody have to put in a valuation? Yes, you absolutely. It is a self-assessed tax so you have to tell revenue what your house is now valued at because the valuation they have is the valuation from 2013 but can I say the majority of people will end up being charged the very same amount for the local property tax that you paid last year because of the way the bans are done so you know because I think people are panicking thinking they're going to end up with this massive local property tax you're not it does look like the majority of people now some some are not some houses have gone up and have pushed people maybe they were in the higher end of a band and have pushed them into the next band and they are going to end up uh, paying uh, more um, okay just to give you some of the calls and the texts that are uh, coming in to us Jennifer says my property is always around 100,000 I didn't make any improvements can I expect my valuation to change no and they've remembered the, the first band is up to 200,000 anyway so even if your house had jumped in value it would have to have doubled to push you into the second band so no you'll pay the very same that you paid last year John and Mallow says if your house is valued at 250,000 and if you're in a flood flooded area as in a floodplain what happens then must you pay we are living in that house specific queries like that are actually again it's a self it's a self assessment thing if you think your house is not going to is not valued at 250,000 then it's up to you to defend it to revenues to why you think it is uh, worth uh, less uh, John says if you know electricity in the house no services do you still need to pay the property tax if it's a completely derelict house no you don't if you have been paying property tax and you now deem it derelict you're certainly going to have to get onto revenue uh, to tell to, t- to tell them that it is now a derelict property the mobile home one if you're living in that you don't have to pay that we had that answer queried Cathy in Dunmanway my property tax this year is supposed to be 96 euro but I've forgotten the bans can you give out the bans for the different uh, prices. If it's 96 euro, that's in the very first band and the first band is houses valued up to 200,000 and that's what they first and if you paid 96 last year, you're going to be paying the very same again this year. That's what the rate was for the lowest uh, band. Uh, so 
if your house is still under 200,000 that's what you are going to be paying on uh, WhatsApp this one now has me tickled pink hi Patricia I checked online I'm literally between the two bands I'm between band 2 and band 3 which band do I submit it's up to you. Where do you where do you think your house is? Do you think it's in band two or do you think it's in band three? Literally, it's a self-assessment. So it's very much going to be up to yourself what you decide to do. Looking at my properties that somebody else is coming in in the lower band. Well done. You, then you'll pay less. Or, as I say, for most people, they're going to be paying exactly the same as they paid last year. Hi, Patricia. Uh, we can't keep paying taxes for the rest of our lives. We need a new direction. Constantly paying taxes is soul destroying there must be a work-life balance enjoyment for everyone not just people with money it doesn't take a genius to figure out a new fairer way of life for everyone it'll take getting used to uh, but it would be fairer says Martin in West uh, Cork and you know my gut none of us like paying taxes none of us like paying extra charges but when you look at the amount of money that this country now owes as we come out of the pandemic and all the extra charges and pandemic bonuses that we're talking about being paid, all of that money has to be paid back. So I think it is very much a case of we have to get used to living with all of these uh, taxes. Uh, Patricia, we might think them fair. Martin, you're right, but we'll have to get used to it. Patricia, did you say the second home tax was abolished when the property tax came in? Yeah, I was talking about the, what was it called? The NPPR, the non principal private residence. Remember that? It was everybody caught with holiday homes and all of that. And that had to be paid. That ran for a number of years and it was abolished then in 2014 and it was replaced by the local property tax. Now that's, (laughs) I'm not saying that somebody who has the luxury of having a second home gets away without having to pay tax on the second home. They do. But what I was talking about was the NPPR. They got rid of that and replaced it with the property tax uh, instead. Hi Patricia, this is Tim. According to my air code, revenue have moved me from band 4 to band 5 so my property tax has gone from 434 4 euro up by nearly 100 euro to 533 absolutely crazy says Tim again Tim you can dispute that if you think that your house is valued in band 4 then that's what you, it's a self-assessment. That's what you tell them your house is worth. What if your house is valued at 90,000? How much will you have to pay? You'll pay the exact same that you paid last year. And Hannah's house is valued at 175,000. She'd have valued last April. What will I be paying? You'll be in that first property band up to 200,000 and whatever you paid last year Hannah you'll pay the very same amount this year Jim says Patricia I got my property tax valuation reminder and asked to revalue by November or if I agree with the estimate actually by the way it does say there's an estimate on it they still want you to revalue if you don't revalue then they put it at the estimated uh, price. When people see that on the letter, that doesn't mean you have to do nothing. You still have to revalue it. Anyway, Jim's argument is, well, Patricia, I'm like the lady who says that my house is not for sale. I'm not selling mine, so my house is my home. I live in it. I don't want to pay any more tax on my home. It's mine. I put my own money into it. Sorry now, I don't need revenue to tell me I need to value my house. It's my home. And even the land it stands on is mine. And I paid stamp duty, says uh, Jim. I wish you luck arguing with revenue on that one, uh, Jim, but I know exactly where you're coming from. And then another Jim 
kind of making a similar point since I built my four bedroomed house and garage built it nearly 20 years ago I took out a mortgage at the time of 65,000 euro I was able to do some of the work myself as I'm in construction industry but I spent more than of my own savings but I still didn't spend over 100,000 euro on a four bedded house well, well but it might be valued more than that now especially if you were to build it today with the price of building materials gone crazy steel timber going up nearly 30% but why should I pay higher property tax I won't be selling it says Jim I think a lot of people are picking up on that on the my house is not for sale and so therefore we shouldn't be valuing it on the sale price I think where the sale price comes into it is it was only for revenue when they were trying to work out how much your property was valued at. It's not to say you are selling your house. This is a local property tax. And again, it's kind of like what I was trying to say when Kieran was on Don't Shoot the Messenger. It isn't revenues. It, it, you can't blame revenue for this. It was the government and the government that was in place in 2013 that introduced a local property tax. The property tax was introduced to fund councils. Wasn't that what we were primarily uh, told? It's something that's there. It's a little bit like once upon a time people paid rates on their houses. People hated paying rates. Then rates were abolished. Then they realised there was a gap in funding when it came to the local councils. So they came up with the local property uh, tax. So whether we like it or not, they the tax is in place Hi Patricia I live in Castletown Roach my house is worth 175 euro 175,000 euro I'm not paying rate 2 and if I was to get it valued who pays for that because I'm not well if you're a, if you're if your house is 175,000 euro then you're in the first rate because the first band is now up to 200,000. So if you were in the first band last year, you'll pay the very same again this year. Okay, that's just a sample of the many, many uh, calls and questions and comments coming in to do with the local property tax. And as I say, once again, that telephone number for people who have questions or queries are people who can't go online or don't want to go online to submit their revaluation. There is a local property tax helpline number and the number is Dublin 7383629017383629 if you want to contact uh, revenue and Denise was oh no I don't want to go to that one there's one other one I want to go to and I don't even know if I have the answer to this but it says Hi Patricia I was listening to the guy from Revenue uh, Kieran Handley speaking on the programme so I decided to send in my valuation now just to have the job done it's getting on okay and then I was asked to please confirm if you would like to pay now but you actually don't have an option not to pay as the next question is how would you like to pay you can't move on and submit your valuation without selecting a method of payment if you say you want to pay by credit or debit card you're then asked for the card details and it'll come out of your card straight away which is very unfair thanking you because it's due to be paid it, it gets if you pay go, if you like for people who went to the say the post office to pay it for example you pay it in November I know I set mine up by direct debit and I can see a lot of people have done it by direct debit and that comes out in March so I don't it's due for payment next month or not next month in, in November I'll see if I can get that if I can sort that out for you. But failing that, you do now have the option if you wanted to ring them and do it over the phone with them and 
tell them when and how you're actually going to uh, pay because when I when I did mine online and the actual system is it's quite the tool is quite easy to use to find out how much your house is uh, valued at but I was okay because when I got to how are you opting to pay it came up that I was registered for direct debit so I was able to go on from there but of course yes you're right not everyone is registered for direct debit I would suggest uh, giving them a call uh, 7383629 that's the local property tax helpline number 1850 that's our phone number John Paul at the end of it you can text her WhatsApp 0862103103 with a reminder that we're looking for pet questions please because Jane Pickett our resident vet will join us of one of the little animals in your house feeling a little bit unwell this morning and do you have a question for Jane get it into us please The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county See corkcoco.ie Bandon GAA Week Lee Bingo is returning tonight at 8 o'clock. It's in the Bandon GAA Pavilion. Please note HSE COVID guidelines will apply. Kildare Community Development, they've got their weekly lotto draw this afternoon at 4 in the community office. They've got a jackpot of €3,500. And bingo in Newton Chandram for tomorrow night. Friday has been cancelled. That's due to a bereavement. It resumes the following Friday, 8th of October at 8.30pm. And a drive-in bingo in the Creamer Yard in Kildallery goes ahead tomorrow night. That's at 8 o'clock. And Strimmer League Autumn Fair will be held on this Saturday in Glen- at Glenillan Farm. A shuttle bus will operate from the railway yard starting at half past one. Lots of attractions and events on the day with all proceeds going to the Cork Arc Cancer Support. Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie In West Cork, local residents, business interests, sports clubs and politicians had all united in their opposition to a plan by a French company to develop an oyster farm at Ring in Clonakilty. Well, I'm now joined by local Fianna Fáil deputy for West Cork. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Christopher O'Sullivan with a little bit of good news for those who were opposed to this oyster farm. Good afternoon to you, Christopher. Hey, Patricia. You come bearing good news today. Yeah, it, it it really is good news for um, uh, the people of of Rings Village in particular uh, of Clannacilty, um and for wildlife as well. We must forget. So it, it it's good news. Um, news emerged, I suppose, earlier in 2021. Um, I think it was around April May that an application had been made for a, a 22 hectare um, oyster farm uh, in. Clannacilty Estuary, just near Ring Village there. That's about the size of uh, approximately 30 soccer pitches. So yeah, absolutely huge. 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 Um, so obviously um, local residents, local business people, uh, the community, the local rowing club as well, and wildlife enthusiasts um, were appalled at the thought that such a, a structure development could, could be considered here. So in fairness, the community, um, politicians, business people, everyone banded together um, most of us made submissions, uh, which is, you know, transparent process where you can make submissions to the application process to um, the Department of Agriculture. Um, and those submissions and those loud voices from the community and from the people of Ring and Clannacilty and the greater West Cork area have worked and have come true because the conclusion statement from the um, decision-making authority was published today on the government website and it is recommended um, against the uh, development of the oyster farm there. And the main um, reason for refusal is the fact that they couldn't guarantee that it wouldn't displace wildlife and bird life in the area. So it's it's really good news. It will be signed off on, uh, I understand today, by uh, the Minister for Agriculture, but it's, um, it's very welcome. And, and I just want to say thank you and well done to uh, the people of uh, West Cork, Clannacilty, and particular Ring, who led this campaign from the very start with meetings down on the pier there and um you know they did bits of media and in fairness uh patricia your show covered um the item at the time as well and i think oh, well, well that was our pleasure and i was very aware at the time as well because of COVID, we couldn't have the typical open up the community hall and let everybody come in and you know air their opinions i mean it was difficult but yet still i know there was open air meetings held down on ring pier which was terrific but but still the community really got together and this is people power at its best it is, yeah, um, and social media played a role. Um, local radio obviously played its role as well. But yeah, we had some um, outdoor meetings down on the pier, all within um, guidelines of the time. But look, it, it, it what was really clear and apparent, and what I love about the efforts made by the community is that it, it wasn't done on a kind of an ad hoc um, basis with absolutely no reason. They thought out their submissions. They pointed to things like the fact that this would impact on the local rowing club, for example, who... They already don't have much water to play with in terms of training for rowing, um, but this would have impacted the amount of 
um, surface area that they would have been able to use. Local fishing community, there's a small, vibrant fishing uh, community down in Ring. They would have been impacted by it. Um, and from a tourism aspect as well, you know the area very well, Patricia. It's it's uh, the, the water kind of snakes, or the road snakes along uh, the estuary between Ring and Clannacilty. It's absolutely visually um, stunning. And these kind of oyster cages and this oyster farm would have totally detracted from that. So they didn't just base their objection on the fact that they didn't want to, uh, you know, not in my backyard. They actually based it on, on fact and on science. And what went out in the end is the fact that the appropriate assessment and then the conclusion statement, which has been published today, said that, look, wildlife would have been negatively impacted here. It would have displaced I mean, birds. you know, without a shadow of a doubt, it was just a total misfit for the area. It is, and I think it's important to, to say here because, you know, some people think, ah, you know, it's, it's, it's nimbyism and nobody wants uh, agriculture in their backyard. I mean, agriculture has a place. Sustainable agriculture done in the right way, in the right location, um, where it doesn't impact wildlife, where it doesn't impact people, it, it has its place and, and it, it's going to be part of our food offering going forward. I think we need to accept that and there are agricultural licenses being approved all the time. But, you know, you, you, you take these, where they have been, I suppose, um, approved in the past, you're talking about big, vast areas of sandbanks uh, like down on, in, in Kerry, on the beaches in Kerry. This is quite a small, very unique estuary and um, there's there's very few estuaries like um, the estuary coming into Ring or around the um, other side of Mokris. They're small and you can't, they can't cater for a, a, an oyster farm of this scale. It just wouldn't make sense. So we're not saying that not here, not anywhere. We're just saying that this doesn't make sense. The location is wrong and the department, and it's an independent process, they have agreed with the community down there. Okay, is that it done now and put to bed for Ring Village? Um, from my understanding, it is. Now, of course, it's always within the um, anyone's rights to reapply. So we just have to be, I suppose, vigilant and make sure we, we keep an eye on that. But I think what happens here with a lot of these, um, uh, I suppose, companies is that they just throw in applications, um, as many as possible, and they hope that a few will land and succeed. So it's kind of almost they're, they're playing it by numbers. I'm not sure if they ever realistically expected that this one would succeed. Um, but thankfully, with the with the community coming together, um, it, it hasn't happened on this occasion. Okay, um, so well done, and and well done to you and all of the politicians. Because the one thing about this again was there was very much a united party politics was put to one side, exactly. and everybody yeah. got together, and that's the way it should be. Just yeah, while I have you, matters. while I yeah. have you on, um, Anne, one of our listeners says, Prisha, while you have Christopher on the line, could you ask him please? Does he know what is causing the horrific smell from Clonakilty Bay when the tide is out? It only got this bad since the treatment plant works were completed. It smells like sewerage. It's disgusting. Uh, please don't tell me it's agricultural because farming has been going on in that area forever are you aware of a horrific smell coming from Clonakilty Bay when the tide is out yeah, I, just, I disagree with him on, on one point in that I remember when the smells emanating from the old waste water treatment plant um, was horrific they, it was horrific it covered the entire town and no matter what part of town you were in um, you would have got it so certainly the upgrade to the wastewater treatment plant which was you know there was millions put into that upgrade it worked to an extent. Now, having said that, Anne is right. Uh, there is, uh, in certain parts of the bay, um, there is a malodor. I'm not sure, is that rotting weed? Um, I don't know, is it in relation to runoff? I actually don't know the answer, but I can certainly um, inquire with uh, the relevant department, whether it's the Environment Section of Cork County Council, who 
um, have the skills and the ability to investigate that material that smell is coming from. But okay. listen, I just want to say that the smell in Clannacilty isn't bad. And speaking of smells, if you don't mind, Trisha, very quickly, um, Belgooley, okay, the Riverbank Estate in Belgooley, has for years and years had to put up with a terrible malodor smells coming from a dysfunctioning uh, wastewater treatment plant. Again, it's something that you've covered repeatedly on your show. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the residents there have, well, it was one of my first ever meetings as a TD, was to meet the residents of the Riverbank Estate. Great news again today, more good news in that the Riverbank Estate in Belgooley, um, the Irish Water and Minister Darabrain have approved uh, a brand new upgraded wastewater treatment plant for uh, the village of Belgooley, which will cater for existing development and future development. So, you know, I'm, I'm waiting timeline for design and construction, but the good news is that those bad smells that um, really were horrible during the summer months in particular, they will be a thing in the past. So well done again to the people of Belgooley for highlighting that. Okay, listen Christopher we leave it there, thank you for that and thank uh, thanks for joining us, that is West Cork, Fianna Fáil, Dáil Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan with a bit of good news that the application for the oyster farm in Ring Clonakilty Bay has been uh, refused everyone who got involved in objecting to that, take a bow that will come as a huge, huge sigh of relief. And then Michael has been on to some Castletown Bear saying Patricia hi, I hear you and indeed every radio and TV station pontificating about wind energy, it'd be both land-based and offshore wind farms. But the other side of the coin is, as everybody says, wind is free, which I agree with. But those turbines cost mega money and mega costs to maintain them. Michael says, I cannot for the life of me understand why farmers do not start growing a product called miscanthus, just enough for their own heating purposes. One acre can produce 10 tonnes of carbon-free fuel from a crop that you only plant every 25 to 30 years. Plus the fact it can produce enough gas to drive any engine, cars, tractors, etc. But of course, the government are not going to get involved in this or tell you about this because there would be a massive revenue loss. That's from Michael in uh, Castletown Bear. Thank you for that, Michael. 1850 uh, 333 103. And Anthony, thank you for your text as well. When we were talking with revenue commissioners and the local property tax and all of that and revaluation and people needing to do either something online or ring call revenue uh, direct... Anthony says people really need to beware this local property tax situation could end up leading to scam calls because remember one stage there was a, a huge amount of scam calls or texts I don't know if it was calls or texts coming from revenue commissioners or purporting to be from the uh, revenue commissioners and a lot of people were got, getting really upset when they thought they were getting calls from revenue so it is possible Anthony you're absolutely right because these scam artists have a tendency to know what's going on in a country or in an area. We saw it with the vaccines. Remember at the start of the vaccines, there was scam texts going out telling people that they needed to register for a vaccine and there was a charge involved or they needed to get access to people's bank accounts. So yes, Anthony, you were right. It is very possible that the local property tax, some scammers might decide to use it. So bring your A game with that and do keep a lookout uh, for that. And I don't know whether it's just me, but of late I've started getting so many of those annoying phone calls. The Amazon one, I hadn't, I'd never had one of those calls from Amazon telling me my Amazon Prime was up. Coincidentally, I, I do have Amazon Prime and it was due to be renewed and I'd cancelled it because I'm with UK and because of with Brexit and all the extra taxes, I get very little from them uh, now. And lo and behold, on the day that my Amazon Prime 
was finishing, I got one of those calls to say they were taking 79.99 euros. Now, I knew they weren't. I knew straight away that it was a scam, but it was my first time getting one of those Amazon uh, calls. But I've been getting yeah, loads and loads of texts saying I've parcels about to be delivered. Now, obviously, I just ignore each and every one of them, but they are frustrating uh, for sure. Anthony, thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. OK, we are going to get your pet questions answered. Uh, please, if you've got a pet question for for Jane, our resident vet, now is your time to get calls into John Paul or you can text or WhatsApp me straight to the studio here 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And we're off to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where we're joined by Jane Pickett. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. Anyone with questions, John Paul taking your calls, 1850-333-103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. OK, a listener is looking for advice on a eight-month-old puppy, fully house-trained, was actually very easy to house-train. It's a mix between a, a terrier and a Jack Russell. A very intelligent little dog, our listener says. Anyway, now wants to know, how often should they be bringing the dog in and out to go to the toilet? Um, I would say roughly every two to three hours as a minimum. And that might be more often than they actually need to go. Um, so most pets will only need to go kind of every three to four hours if they have normal kidney health and are otherwise healthy. But what I would say is at this early formative phase of your dog's life, they were really great. They toilet trained really easily by the sounds of it. You don't want any excuse for that to go backwards. So it's always better to give them more opportunities to continue to get it right and really reinforce that good behavior of peeing outside on command rather than have a few mistakes and have a lot of backward steps. Because in the end of the day, if our dogs and cats do accidents inside, generally it's because we haven't been perceptive in their little subtle signals in wanting to go outside or we're not just taking them out regardless often enough. So I, I would say every two hours would be a good kind of starting point. Okay, Jenny has a, a cat about three years of age. She's noticed that the cat has started eating grass and can then bring back up the grass. She's wondering, is she lacking in something? Okay, this is a really interesting one. So it generally isn't that dogs or cats are lacking in something. So this is a really interesting one because generally that's what we think. Let's say when dogs eat stones or they start eating grass or cats eat grass or nibbling on gravel. Um, there really is no scientific basis for it being that they're trying to supplement their own diet. It's really just not the case. Nutritional deficiencies in this day and age when, when cats and dogs are fed a good quality, complete diet are really actually quite rare and certainly being deficient enough that you would start having pica, which is what kind of eating funny objects like grass and stones is called, uh, will be really rare. The more common thing is the pets will sometimes eat grass if they're feeling a bit nauseous because they know that that will induce vomiting. So if they're feeling a bit nauseous, sometimes they'll make themselves sick by eating grass. But interestingly enough, although it's not well established in cats, we've learned recently um, that some dogs may actually graze out of habit. So sometimes it's not even that they're feeling nauseous. They just fancy having a bit of a play with some grass. And that may be the same case for your cat. What I'd say, if it's a massive change for your cat and they've never done this before, it definitely warrants investigation because it might be that they are nauseous um, and that this is the way that they're showing you that. So a trip to the vet for a full health check and possibly some investigations. 
But if they're otherwise really healthy in themselves, they maybe do this, you know, once or twice a month and it's an, you know, an odd occurrence for them, then maybe just monitor it um, if they're otherwise well in themselves. But if you're any, any, in any doubt, I think the safe option is to get checked by a vet. Okay, Mary has a puppy, uh, is going outside to the toilet, but sometimes he'll end up doing his business on his bed. How do I stop him going to the toilet on his bed, says Mary. Okay, take him outside more often. Is that um, yeah. be the thing? Yeah, it's similar to our little, let's say, eight-month puppy that toilet trained really easily. You need to give them as many opportunities as you can to get it right because that reinforces it in their head that you know the toilet is outside. I need to signal that I need to go outside. So it sounds like you're a little way of the way there. You know, they're doing their business outside, but they're sometimes having accidents on the bed. Um, I think just being really, really mindful of taking them out very frequently more frequently than you think you need to, being very perceptive to their signal. So watch what happens when they want to go outside or watch what happens around the time that they want to pee and poo. But there's key times of the day where it's quite predictable that they'll pass either urine or a bowel motion. So early in the morning, after play, after a meal, they're the really predictable times and last thing at night before bed. So always make sure you hit those hit those critical points. And are some, are thing, some, say, quick to, are some quicker mm-hmm. to pick it up than others? They are. I suppose like humans, there's a bit of variation in how quickly we take to things. But I generally find the key determinant in what will have a, a dog or a, a dog or a puppy kind of toiletry quickly is consistency on yeah. the part of the owner is, is the really big one. So motivate them with treats. If they do their business outside, give them a little treat afterwards. But don't obviously if they do their business inside, but don't scold them. It's not their fault, frankly. It's probably that you haven't picked up on their signals to go outside. But also if they have peed on their bed, just make sure you clean the area really really well with a pet safe cleaner to get rid of the smell of ammonia because as long as that smell is there inside the house they'll have kind of tagged that as an acceptable toileting area so it's important just to take that away and take them out lots lots of times into the garden okay hi jane i have a golden retriever 12 months old his coat is gorgeous and soft except a small part of his back is very coarse any suggestions would be appreciated Okay, um, so there's a number of reasons it could be coarse. It could be uh, an unusual variation in the coat quality across um, the body. So if you think about, let's say, a dog's back, it usually has a lot more hair and it's a lot thicker than, let's say, for example, on their underneath, on their belly. It's generally much thinner and you can see a lot more of the skin there. So there is regional differences in what our hair thickness and length um, and quality is like across the dog's body. Now, the one thing I'd say is if there is a patch that feels much more coarse and wiry, one thing I'd wonder is if those hairs might be broken. And some reasons that those hairs might be broken is if they were, let's say, previously shaved on that area recently for a surgery or a test at the vets, or if they've been scratching or biting at the area. So some dogs and cats, if they're irritating or itching or let's say painful and they're going at an area, sometimes their coat can feel coarse because rather than let's say long silky hairs that taper to the end and feel silky to the touch, you'll be almost feeling kind of a bristly half broken hair and that can make things feel quite coarse. So I think it would be best um, if this is a new occurrence for your pet and hasn't always been this way just to get it checked by the vet so that they'll be able to examine the skin underlying the coarse area 
and potentially take some samples just even with a you know tape strips to look at under the microscope so there's lots of simple non-invasive tests that we can do just to make sure that the skin health in that area is not causing discomfort or even the underlying tissue so let's say we sometimes see changes in the hair coat in arthritic pets if they're licking over their joints or if they have back pain licking or biting over their back we sometimes see um, overlying hair changes so it's important just to keep an open mind and I think if this is a change for your pet I'd get um, a vet to check it out check the skin and check for any source of pain Okay, Deborah has a five-year-old. It's a cocker spaniel mixed with something smaller. Uh, the dog has always been prone to eye infections. She's wondering, is this type of dog, i.e. the cocker spaniel, prone to eye infections? And is there anything she can do to stop her getting them? She's fine at the moment. Okay, well, I'm glad to hear she's doing well at the minute, but certainly recurrent eye infections can be really frustrating, both for you as the owner, because nobody likes to see their pet unwell, um, and for your pet, you can imagine it's very irritating. If it's recurrent, if it's a frequent issue, there is probably an underlying cause. Eye infections can be caused by a number of things. For example, a dog that really likes running through hedges and hence you know, has a higher risk than a dog that walks you know, just in... Um, clear non-wooded areas of getting things you know into their eye it's like us walking through the bushes you always risk having something plop onto your face um, and might scratch the eye and lead to an infection but there can also be problems with things like the amount of tears in our eyes so sometimes if we don't have enough tear production in our eye we have a disease called dry eye the eye is much more fragile and prone to infection or even if we have little things like um, cysts on our eyelids so sometimes we can have a, a little cyst or a swelling of our hair glands and our eyelashes or even ingrown or interning eyelids um, so there are a number of things that can predispose. The best thing, I think, if there's a recurrent infection, it, it would be probably worth visiting your vet at this point. If it's a well-established thing that's happened a number of times, there's going to be an underlying cause. It may be worth visiting your vet while things are okay so that they can run tests in a normal eye so that they'll be able to check how, how your tear production is doing, really examine the eye in the absence of an infection and in the absence of swelling, which is actually a really helpful thing to be able to do. And it might be if the problem is very significant, they might advise um, referral to an ophthalmologist, so a, an eye specialist, so that they can further assess it um, with the knowledge of somebody who's doing that every day. So I think don't, don't lose heart. It's definitely something that can be managed. It might just need a little bit of background digging to find out what's causing it. Okay, because as you say, very, very annoying uh, on the poor dog. Okay, yeah. listen, uh, thank you for that. Um, and Jane, we'll chat again next week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. That is a good afternoon. This is this stage Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, which is part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. And somebody's just pointed out uh, on our community diary, it says that the bingo in Bandon is on tonight at 8. Somebody says bingo in Bandon tonight is actually at 9pm. <laughs> Son. And when his daddy would visit, he'd come along. When they gather around and started talking, that's when Billy would take me walking. Out through the backyard, we go walking. Then he'd look into my eyes. Lord knows to my surprise, the only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. The only boy who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man. You see what he was. Mm, yes, he was. Being good isn't always easy, no matter how hard. 
great memory. I haven't played that in quite some time. That is Dusty Springfield and son of a preacher man. And thank you Maureen to say. Maureen, Patricia, just to let you know the number that you gave out for revenue for help with the local property uh, tax doesn't correspond with the number that's on the letter that comes out from uh, revenue. I didn't even realise that there was a number on uh, revenue, Maureen. Thank you for pointing that out. There is a number on your letter if people haven't taken down the number and you need to contact them and the number on the letter according to Maureen is 01 Seven three eight three six two six, but the number I gave out is seven three eight three six two nine. It's just the digits at the end are uh, different, but they all. I got it, I got John Paul to check to make sure that we were giving out a correct number, and we are. The number that we gave out from Kieran is for people who want to self-assess. That's the number, but it all actually goes into a call centre. So regardless, you'll get onto wh- whichever number you use, you'll get through to somebody who's going to be able to help you out. But thank you for that morning and uh, thank you for pointing it out. Now that's where we leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara uh, for answering a lot of calls today. He was really, really busy. So thank you to everybody who contacted us uh, either by phone, by by text or by email. Well, Nick is with you for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.